0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. Hey, guys, welcome to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show. Thanks for joining me again, as always. Uh, this is going to be part two of my world shoot experience. So if you didn't catch part one, I would back up one and, and listen to that. And also, as I mentioned in the, in the part one, my buddy, Ark Levy, with the Firearms Nation podcast did a, a nice hour-long interview with me on some different aspects of the world shoot. Uh, so I'm trying to cover uh, different, more technical things and, and personal experiences in these. So you're not listening to the same thing twice. Uh, as I left you last time, I was on the way into work for one of our local 3-Gun matches. I'm contemplating with goofing around a 3-Gun a little bit more this year. I'm enjoying the challenges, you know, something something new to work on, something different. When I got out of the, the military 100 years ago and was going to get deeper into competition shooting, 3-Gun uh, was, yeah, you know, it's been around forever, wasn't as, nearly as popular then as it, is, as it is now, but it was still a thing, and... The last thing I wanted to do was pick up an M4 and go shoot rifle after after all the rifle shooting I'd done, so I'd kind of ridden it off for a while and got back into it a few years ago and realized how out of date my equipment was and techniques were. And so that, from that aspect of it, it's been it's been interesting and enjoyable to you know learn new things, work on new things, and and, and have areas where I feel like I can improve more so than I do with pistol. Uh, so the local, local match went okay. I identified some further weaknesses. I'm actually headed into the range this morning to shoot a little bit of long-range rifle before I, I get the workday started. Uh, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. I'll probably have some some uh, worthwhile podcasts to talk about my journey. And if I do mess around with it, I don't know. It's just, it's just been nice to relax a little bit and not be so driven and training. And shot uh, the PCC Palooza match we had down here and the scatter gun. And so that was... That was fun and enjoying doing different stuff. Uh, Picking up where I left off on on the world shoot, as I mentioned, it's uh, five days of shooting over a six day period. So everybody had one day off uh, somewhere during your week. Our, our day off was the third day. So we shot Monday, Tuesday, had Wednesday off, and then shot Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I uh, left off the last one with our end of our second day, which. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I had a poor start. I was kind of upset about that. But the day off was, you know, fell out a good time. It, um, The family was with me, so we had some touristy stuff planned. We went for a drive, did some uh, castle tours. Uh, so that was, that was cool. It's, I'm probably not smart enough to appreciate all the history and the things that I was seeing. But it is interesting to sit there and look at these buildings and roads and, you know, things that are way older than our country and still in you know pretty good shape and still in use the the castle we went and saw they had i think like two-thirds of it uh set off for viewing and you know they had the rooms dressed up as they as they would have been but but the family the sixth generation family still lived there they still live in that castle so they had a third of it or something or a quarter or whatever blocked off and i guess a separate entryway and things for them I still live there, so that was cool. Those old hunting lodge. They probably had 100, 100, 150 hounds still working dogs on the property, and so it was interesting to see. I just kind of relaxed the rest of the day. Cooked out that night at the, we were actually staying in a castle, which I think I mentioned, but cooked out that night and, and chilled out a little bit. I did go to the range early that morning just to shoot. As I, I mentioned, I finished day two with a couple of misses, and that was bugging me, so I went to shoot a little bit check the gun the zero was off a smidge but i'm not using that as an excuse i just i had a brain fart and made a bad decision on the the last couple of misses i had but uh just you know instill the confidence back that the gun's there it's working and and you're ready to rock uh we started the the third day of shooting uh, an afternoon schedule and you know i'm gonna touch on a couple of things in the match but from here on out man everything felt normal i felt like a like normal Shannon Smith again and uh, shooting a match like any other match. You know, honestly, partially because I I maybe felt like I was kind of out of it. Like, oh, you screwed the pooch now, so you can't win. So that kind of lifts some pressure, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, That kind of lifts some pressure off of you, thereby freeing you up to to shoot like, air quote, normal. Um, So the the stages were good. I'd heard some... A lot of folks talk about how difficult the match was. I really didn't find that at all. Uh, maybe, you know, this coming from a guy that had four penalties too. But you know, I could attribute those to different things. Uh, I think this is where my training did come into play, and uh, you know, I trained on on harder shots than we saw there. There actually, there actually wasn't a partial uh, as tight, as or as distant as the average target that I was shooting on on a day-to-day basis. So from that aspect. Uh, I felt you know solid about my training plan uh, I didn't feel there was anything there I couldn't I couldn't handle the the moving targets were were nothing special I mean a lot of the swingers were quick you could only get one shot on them at a time but again that's something I trained for and planned for and, and fully expected uh, they had a couple of uh, swingers with partials on them uh, no shoots but again nothing nothing as tight as, as what I had trained on uh, the one thing they had that, that did trip me up a little bit is they had a swinging a swinging plate system, and I you know I've shot swinging plates before, but these were probably a little bit quicker, but definitely less exposure. It was over the top type of system over some hard cover, and you just didn't get much exposure, much time to to get a bead on it. And the first one, the first one I actually airballed. I uh, you know hit the activator. I think I picked up a a static or something, and I'm. I'm sitting there waiting for that plate. You've got no reference if you've seen the IPSC matches. They do a pretty good job at, at, at presentation and, and, and aesthetic value. Uh, so you can't see any activation system on the, on the target itself. Like, for example, in the U.S., a lot of times you'll be able to see the weight of the swinger, even if the target's completely hidden. Uh, you'll be able to see the weight of the swinger hanging out to the side, and you can kind of gauge some movement uh, and some speed and some relationship off of that. Uh, you know they they cover all that up so you can't see anything and then all of a sudden bam there's a target. In the first shot, I, there was nothing there. I just I just fired around. I'm like, well, it's got to be coming soon. It's got to be coming soon, and pulled the trigger. So that didn't. Uh, needless to say, that did not work. Uh, but so that I had, took a few extra shots there to to get those things down. Uh, but other than that, they had you know they had a slider, uh, which was cool, but but uh, not overly quick or and certainly not overly difficult. Uh, they had a, a Teeter-totter system, for lack of a better word, that was uh, really cool. Definitely something I'm going to build for my matches. Uh, it's tough to describe, but it was—you know—you envision a teeter-totter perpendicular to you, had a steel no-shoot on each end, like the like the fat kid sitting on the on the ends, and then behind that were, were four targets, too high, too low. So at rest, those those steel no-shoots covered the the top right and bottom left target, and then when it activated, the teeter-totter teetered exposing those two and covering up the top left lower right and then it went back uh, so that was again it wasn't a challenging target um, but it was an interesting target it was presented some timing things and there was a static you could go pick up in the meantime if you wanted to try and uh, so that was uh, that was definitely something cool and then their, their mover systems in general were attached to the hardcover wall so the swingers they had a lot of swingers and they had a lot of bobbers but it was not an independent system like you couldn't just set the swinger out there by itself and it would work it was actually physically attached to the steel hardcover wall behind it Uh, a little mechanical hub I guess for the swingers and uh, some type of a pivot point for the bobbers Uh, so that was really neat I mean it's not something you would want to do at your club I don't think because they're you know you're, you're Building a massive system, you got to move around the the hardcover walls were, I don't know, three you know three feet by four feet tall or something like that, or four by four uh, st- steel, probably AR steel. So not something you're going to want to move around for a Sunday match. But uh, it was definitely something nice for the world. to the presentation value was really good, and you know IPSC is different as well. If you haven't shot the match, in that like you never really get to go downrange uh, until you've shot the course of fire and then you're you know looking at your targets along with the range officer Uh, so unlike USPSA where you can just meander out there at your leisure and check shit out uh, you couldn't really do that here so I didn't get a a good enough look Uh, I probably could have asked and they'd let me but I was gonna take some pictures or just kind of get a better better view at uh, at how their activation systems worked but it definitely made a clean appearance and and uh, it was it was a cool target so our shooting day three uh, finished fine. The last three days, I had no penalties, and you know, really just back to normal. I didn't shoot phenomenal, but uh, I definitely, definitely shot okay. And like I said, just it felt like a normal match from there on out. Uh, but the mentality did change a little bit, and I was, you know, I was happy that I was able to get back in it and stay focused because, the, you know, as I mentioned before, one of the main goals of my trip was the team win. I was super proud to be on the team, super proud to represent America and something I didn't want to F up. And our team was not shooting amazing. Uh, you know, Max was doing better than most of us, but he wasn't shooting his normal self. He had, he had some problems. Uh, Chris wasn't shooting great. He had a, a couple of gun issues, but just general, not his awesome normal self. And Bill came out really strong. Uh, and then he had some mistakes as well, fell down a little bit, and as did I, as, as I talked about. So we were getting a little nervous there. That you know, you kind of think we go in there with a lockup win for the team, but now all of a sudden, maybe it's not a lockup win for the team, and you know, definitely something I didn't want to didn't want to be that guy on that team that that lost. Uh, we haven't lost in a long time. Max said '99. I didn't research that, but he's probably right. Uh, so you definitely don't want to be that guy, and. Uh, getting back into it shooting solid uh we were on a team with the australians the the philippines and the french and you know all those countries have like one really good guy and nothing against the other shooters they're they're great shooters as well but um but not a strong enough team really to to be a threat i would say uh however the the french were actually doing really well uh emile's one of their their top guys he was a, a top 10 finisher and then this other guy remy who i didn't uh, i don't think i knew previously maybe i'd met him once but uh, he was shooting great really unassuming um you know until i started looking the scores i was like holy crap he's he's doing he's doing awesome and uh so you know i was trying to catch him and and then we we're on the on with the australians as well and they were a super strong team again way stronger than i expected uh, brody their top guy i've I've known from the previous World Shoot, so we knew knew he was solid, another top ten guy, and but their other guys were, were good as well and, and and nice guys. I enjoyed hanging out with them and enjoyed shooting with them, but of course wanted to beat them. So I started looking at all right. Well, here's this, you know, there's one French guy in front of me. I got to get in front of him. And there were there were three Australians in front of me, really, but I didn't figure I could catch Brody, but the other two I definitely wanted to get in front of. And that's kind of how you look at it. You're like, well, if if Max can beat this guy, and I can beat that guy, and Chris can beat this guy, you know, then we're good. And they combine the points uh, for the teams, and that's how they put the team score together. So whatever your match points are at the end of the match, they tally the the top three guys on each team uh, with their match points, and then the points are what they are. So if you're you know if you're beating somebody by a large margin, that's gonna that's gonna help the other guys on your team not to have to win by so much type of thing. But for simple math, if you know we got three Americans in front of three of any other team, then you're gonna win. And so that's what we kind of started looking at. And I, you know, so now I'm watching. It's getting down to the end now. Now you first couple of days, you know, points doesn't really matter. Paying attention on who's where because there's so much shooting left to go. But now you start to get the third, fourth, and fifth day of shooting. Now that's when you start looking. You start, you know, I start paying attention to the other shooters, the guys I'm trying to to move up against, and see what they're doing. And you know, I talked with Aric about how you plan and I mean, you make adjustments, and you make shifts, and in, and in, in how you're competing. You know, you're always going to go out there and shoot as fast and accurate as you can. But if you see your competition falling down, then maybe you go in there at 97 percent or 95 percent, and you know, kind of play it safe. And then the reverse could be true as well if they're shooting fantastic then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to push you're gonna to have to take risks and, and do things you might otherwise not normally do so there's some things we started to look at uh, a lot of moving targets the the last few days they kind of finished up and finished us up in uh, the tougher areas which is by design it gives more room for for moving around uh, so again shot well the last last two days and then now we're going into the The final day the you know the rankings have shifted a little bit i was you know pretty sure i was going to meet my one expectation of or my bottom level expectation of being in the top 16. and you know now it was looking like i had a shot to get back in the top 10 if i shot pretty strong the last day so that was the that was the plan came out we shot we finished up in the see afternoon the last three days we shot afternoon morning afternoon so I finished up in the afternoon on uh, the probably the, the toughest area, a lot of lot of moving targets. That teeter totter thing that I was talking about. There was some um, some one handed shooting that day, I think. And then the big the big stage for that day. Uh, if you remember the IPSC, they do their their one uh, stage deal. So you have three small stages to one medium uh, to two medium stages to one large stage every day and you know it comes down to everything but the large stages are where you're gonna to stand to gain or lose the most points just from a from a point value because it's a larger stage so there's more more opportunity to gain and or lose on those stages And this particular stage on that day was uh, probably the, the stage of the match in terms of you know what was talked about and it was a huge stage it was in one of their their big rifle bays the, the foot movement in the stage was probably 50 yards and shots out to 50 yards as well. And it kind of appeared like the way to go. I mean, you can Google this up. I'll, I'll put a, I got a video of me shooting it I'll put it up there as well, but you can see some guys shooting the stage. It uh, kind of came that you could take this crazy weird shot and it would save you about 12 to 15 yards of movement at the end of the stage and so the air quote intended way to shoot the stage was you meander around meander around through this kind of swerving walkway thing you finish up at the very far end with a couple of close targets and then through a low port from a kneel, you had a a 50-yard shot well that that 50-yard shot you could see from the beginning through this like whole gap in a wall that I don't think they meant to be there but it was there and but the target was on angle to you at about if 45 or not if not more of an angle you know so the target was straight on to be shot where you were technically supposed to shoot it from but by taking it back here you only had you know a third of a target basically basically like a zebra target at 50 yards so super scary shot but you know, it certainly appeared like that was the way to go. You know, how can you, how can you not take a risk like that, in order to eliminate, you know, 12 or 15 yards of movement? I'm kind of vague on the movement again because you don't get much time on these stages, and even a big stage like this, we had a five-minute walkthrough with 16 guys trying to walk it through at once, so you don't have time to, to figure out all those things like I would at a USPSA match. Like a USPSA match, for example, I would have paced that off and known exactly how much space I'm saving, how much movement I'm saving. Uh, and then you have a better idea of how long it's going to take me to shoot these splits how long it's going to take me to make that movement you can make a better informed decision because you have more information here you don't have that much information but part of what i was thinking is like well hell i gotta go take a knee on a 50 yard target i can miss that too so why not take it from the front and maybe i miss but uh it's worth saving it's worth saving that distance when you know if 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 making that movement down there made that made that target a, a seven-yard target, well, then now we're talking about a different thing. But <coughs> excuse me, it's still it's still going to be a tough shot. So pretty much everybody shot it from there, and I'd programmed four shots on it because <laughs> it was that scary. Uh, and there were plenty of other targets at distance as well. There was a you know there's probably a 20, 20 yard, forty yard, and another fifty yard target, not counting that one off in the first position so i programmed some extra shots and uh interesting kind of side note there the guy in front of me that shot in front of me challenged uh his shot on that target and it was a. I feel sorry for the ro's there because it was a it was a tough target to score being on edge like that everybody that took that shot was getting elongated holes or they were cut, cutting the edge perf and so it wasn't the easiest target to score but he had pulled the target and so they put a new target up, and it was facing, uh, this the afternoon, so the sun was just, just setting, or starting to set, uh, and it was facing the sun, so I had a full-on bright target in a shaded area, brand new. I'm like, I was like, sweet, I'm going to be able to see the hits, which, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't recommend looking for hits on the target, but in this circumstance, um that's kind of what i thought i was like man that target was like it was like glowing bright and i was like perfect man i'll be able to see the hits because they're going through on edge so you're getting a longer hole than just a than just a regular bullet hole anyway so that was kind of the plan but i kind of programmed uh, at least three or four shots at it anyway and i couldn't see shit on the target i don't know i think i was just adrenaline or i was focused on the dot or or whatever but i totally forgot to either forgot or didn't recognize the the hits on the target and uh you know finish out the stage and there's a there's a sprint and then there's a shooting on the move and then another sprint and then a setup for another 10 or 12 shots it was a very involved stage um pretty interesting just from a you know nothing moving or anything but long shots and long runs that was kind of cool you don't get a whole lot of that in, in IPSC and uh and end up hitting the target so that was cool I wasn't the fastest on the stage I think I was 28 and I think good guys were probably 25, 26 And the stage winner I think was 23 Which was, he was way out From everybody else Uh, So that was one of the more interesting Interesting stages of the match Uh, So I was happy Happy I made those hits, that was cool And then we went to the Our final stage of the day It was that teeter-totter thing I was talking about And that was a medium Medium stage or small stage 10, 12 eight, 10, 11, 11 rounds, I guess, small stage. Uh, so that was cool to finish up and I was happy that I, that I finished the match strong the last three days. And you know we were hoping it was enough for the team at the time. I, I by my calculations, I, I thought we were okay. And uh, it ended up being the case. So Max, Max ended up finished up first for the team and then Chris was right in front of me. I almost caught him, he was only seven or eight, I think 10 points, 10 points up. And then uh, Bill was behind me, so it was you know, good, a good finish to the match. Again, not a, not a great start, but all in all, you know, I felt my training paid off, and the, I didn't feel there was any shots there that, that I couldn't handle. And I was happy about, uh, about the way we finished up. And then we had Sunday as a dedicated day for shootoffs and the awards ceremony. The match, match finishes on Saturday. And then Sunday I came back. It was really vague information-wise on what the hell was going on. So I wasn't sure if the shoot-off was the top eight or top 16. Or, you know, if somebody wasn't there, they were skipping down or, you know, what was going on. So I ended up not making the shoot-off was the top eight. And they weren't skipping down. So if you weren't there, they just gave that guy a bye and, and moved on. Which is probably not a horrible idea just from a time standpoint. They had a whole lot of different divisions and, uh, and categories to do shoot So it was a long... A long process, but once it was determined we weren't going to be in it, we we took off, went to lunch, and then got ready for the awards ceremony. Uh, the awards ceremony is a big deal. It's a dress-up event. Uh, not everybody wears a tie, but I wore a coat and tie, and banquet, dinner, uh, which was horrible, but they had beer and wine, so that was cool. And it was a long, <laughs> was a long process, man. It was, I think, four hours for, from start to finish, or three and a half hours, something like that. And but it's cool, you know. It's the experience, and that's why you're there. And uh, they had a nice presentation at the beginning. The the mayor of the city we were at was were there was there, uh, the president of IPSC. And then they had they had the elections with the general assembly earlier in the week. So we have a new president for IPSC now. So that'll be interesting to see how, how he does. Maybe worthy of a podcast down the road. Uh, and then they start the start the never ending awards process. They have a podium up there. They do all the individual awards, top three, and they do you know gold medals similar to the Olympic thing. Play the national anthem. Uh, so that was uh, that was pretty awesome. And then the teams were at the end, and of course the open team was the the very last the very last awards. So we were there till the end, but you know that's why we do it. That's why we were there. And again, super proud moment to be standing on the the top of the podium with with my teammates and you know getting the gold medal for the USA and. You know, while the U.S. doesn't win every individual award and we don't win every team award either but damn near and I've there was an article I think in uh, on Facebook or one of the media outlets posted it but it was it was uh, a lot of medals and that was just something that's cool you know they play the national anthem for for every person so you're hearing the the U.S. Na- national anthem more more so by far than anybody else and that's certainly a certainly a proud moment and and side note nobody was taking a knee so that was that was cool i uh, finished up there back to the the castle for the night and then the wife and i and the and the kid took a trip to normandy for uh, three days afterwards so i was certainly a proud a proud moment for me my my military background was the second Ranger battalion and those are the guys that they climb the cliffs at point De hawk and so, to actually stand there was an awe inspiring moment i'll I'll never forget stood on the beach at at Omaha Beach uh, saw a couple of cool museums and then the next day we did uh, Utah Beach, which was not quite as cool but but still cool but again, just the history it's hard to it's hard to fathom that like all all that stuff's still there I, mean, I guess it's to be expected, but you know a lot of the wreckage is still there a lot of the the barges are still half submerged and point to hawks uh i don't know if national park's the right word but a memorial now so that's all been you know preserved the 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 craters are still there from the naval guns and it was just pretty pretty amazing to see what those kids went through and uh, definitely a, a tougher generation than us i think unfortunately but hopefully we'll never we'll never have to find out so all in all a good trip and uh, I'll have some you know, some more thoughts on the on the competition aspect and some things I can work on. I've got a couple more cool podcasts I think in in relation to that. One of them kinda of self defense related on you know, traveling abroad and some things I did for for personal safety and you know, just some considerations to take when you're out traveling around, especially especially with a family. That, that threw another wrench in the in the works of of things I think about. And then, like I mentioned before, we're just coming off a, a big hurricane here in Florida, so i got some cool stuff to talk about on that. Uh, as always, hit me up for training. We've got uh, our busy match schedules getting ready to start, but I've still got some, some plenty of time to get some training in. We've got the Monster Match coming up. We have the Revolver Championship coming up. And then, hard to believe, but the end of the year is not too far, and we're back into the beginning of the Florida State Match of Florida Open. So almost all those are open for registration. So come check us out. Get out, get some practice. I'll see you on the range.